I want to ask that you take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. This morning we're going to continue, uh, actually we're almost halfway done with our our mini-series here in uh, Matthew chapter 5, looking at the Beatitudes. Uh, This is when Jesus started preaching this Sermon on the Mount, and and he just starts off by talking about what it looks like to be happy. And, um, and we talked about, as, as we've gone through this, that blessed, you'll see this word pop up over and over again, blessed uh, means happy. It means congratulations to. Today we're going to get to a beatitude that I think will be fairly easy for you to remember moving forward from this point. Let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. All right, here's what it says. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And that's what we're going to talk about here this morning. Now, um, I, want you to, uh, I want you to remember as we've, as we've talked about this, I'll just kind of just very brief recap. Um, we've worked through these several Beatitudes so far, and, and really as we're talking about this, um, this word blessed does mean happy. It means congratulations to, for whatever it is that, that is being talked about there. But it's not so much that a special favor has been done to a person. It's more that as a result of them being meek uh, or, or being poor in spirit or mourning over sin is one of the ones we talked about. Um, it's more that those things are producing in them a, an attitude of satisfaction and of fulfillment in Jesus. It's not like we're happy because we hunger and thirst or, or it's not like we're happy because we mourn. We're happy because our hunger and thirst and mourning and other things is for something that is good and it is for something that is right. So as Jesus approaches this Sermon on the Mount, he jumps in here and he presents some ideas to the people that are listening to that are, that are really honestly very contrary to anything that they would have ever heard before or expected from him. He's presenting, I use this phrase a couple of times, it's almost like he's presenting an upside down kingdom. As time goes on, the people are going to be expecting Jesus more and more to step up and be this military leader and redeem them from the hand of Rome, but he's not going to do that. He's presenting something completely different that they never, ever expected. So then he starts teaching here, and um, he's, he's working on helping them understand what it means to be happy and to be ultimately fulfilled in life. Now today, as we talk about this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. As we talk about that, um, it's another part of this upside-down kingdom that, that Jesus is presenting. I told you just a few moments ago when I was, when I was sharing, I, I said, you know, we're in this cosmic battle between Satan and God, and it's going to continue until God one day ultimately redeems um, the world, and he defeats Satan. Jesus will defeat Satan forever. Ephesians chapter 2 is clear that Satan is the ruler of this world right now. Um, he is the one who is bringing about all this evil and all of this difficulty that we see around us. But when Jesus comes on the scene, he starts presenting some stuff that really sounds weird and, 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 and honestly stuff that doesn't automatically make sense right away. But as the full picture starts to come about and Jesus' life starts to unfold, we understand more and more about what Jesus is talking about. What does it mean to hunger and thirst? All right, so the words are there. They're blessed, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, okay? What does it mean to hunger and thirst? If you think about um, famine, okay? Just think about famine for a moment. A famine is a time in which there's not food, uh, there's not rain, there's not water for people to drink. One of the first examples of a famine in the Bible is Joseph, 
where he's there in Egypt and his brothers and his dad come to him because they're in famine, they don't have anything to eat. And that's a whole story in itself that we're not gonna get into today, but that's an example of a famine. People were hungry, they were, they were starving. You move on up, and, um, and, and in fact, uh, John MacArthur, I was reading this past week, John MacArthur talks about a famine that took place in year 436 B.C., and it was, it was in Rome, and it was brutal. In fact, people were throwing themselves into the Tigris River to kill themselves so that they didn't have to die of starvation. But then you, you look, even, even after Jesus, and as technology has gotten better and better, and we start to see these, um, just a better way of growing things, there's still famines that take place all throughout maybe Africa and, and other places. We understand famine because we, not because we've experienced it, but because we've seen it and we've read about it. it it's, it's, it's being hungry. It's being thirsty for food. One of the, um, one of the things that is really a, a, a lesson in life or a, a core part of life is that we all crave something. At, at any point, we're craving something something to fill us up, something to fill the hole that we, are, that we have, whether it's in our stomachs or in our lives. But the question is, what are we going to use to satisfy our craving? If you, think, if you, if you speak from a very, very physical standpoint for a moment, okay? So think about just, just trying to fill your belly up. There's a couple of different things. Actually, there's not a couple. There's a lot of different things that you can put in your belly to feed yourself. Um, there, there's good things and there's bad things. Let's talk about bad things here for a moment. I want to I actually share with you some of my favorite bad things. Can I do that? Who likes Little Debbie? This is the greatest Little Debbie snack of all time. A Nutty Buddy. Anybody else with me in that? Okay, good. Wow, I'm so proud of you guys. But this one right here, this Little Debbie, it comes really, really close to it, okay? It's the big honey bun from Little Debbie. They have the little honey bun, but this is the big honey bun. That one comes really, really close to it as well. That's, 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 um, that's, that's right up there on the list. And then you got, you know, hopefully every person's favorite candy. Are you seeing a theme with the peanut butter and chocolate here? Yeah, the Nutty Buddy. Yeah, the peanut butter and chocolate. What about this one? The world's best cookie. I didn't get very many responses. Anybody else? No, oh my. So it's, it's, the, it's the double stuff Oreo, okay? If you can't see it, it's the double stuff Oreo. Now we're getting there a little bit more. Thank you very much. I feel a little bit better about myself. But then if you need something to drink, it is the cheer wine. Now this one has been drunk some because I got thirsty sitting down there a few minutes ago, okay? <laughs> I didn't have my water bottle with me, so I just pulled out the cheer wine. You might have heard in that really quiet moment the, uh, anybody else hear that? <laughs> just a few minutes ago. But listen, here's the deal. Um, if, if, I were to, if I were to eat these things, man, they're good in the moment, aren't they? They satisfy me in that moment. But are they good for me? No, they're not. And Hillary's going, no, they're not. <laughs> What about this? How about some good food? Show, show them this picture. I don't know if you can see it or not, but that is a steak from Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Back several months ago, I think it was maybe from a birthday or Chris, I don't remember what it was, but the staff got together and they got me a gift card for Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. And that was the steak that I ate there. Now, listen, if you want to give me a good meal, you put steak and potatoes in front of me and I'm happy as I can be. You'll notice there's no green on that plate anywhere. 
I'll eat the green sometimes, but if I have a choice, I'll just take that steak and those potatoes, and I am happy as I can be. Now, in that steak, I've got protein, and I'm pretty sure that somewhere in all of that is some, some vitamins and minerals and, and nutrients that I need, right? <laughs> I hope anyway. Junk food, good food. We're just going to say, it, you, you may disagree, you may say that a salad's the good food, but we're just going to say that this is the good food right here. Junk food and good food. Here's the deal. You can choose what you fill yourself with. The problem is one of those is just, it's not good for you. It, it, it's, it's the kind of thing that it fills you up in the moment, but it is not meant in any way to be a lasting, healthy food. It's meant to, you eat it, and then you want another one, and then you want another one, and then you want another one. That's what it's meant for. But you get some meat and potatoes, vegetables, things like that. No, that's, that's different. It's there to help you not just survive, but to thrive. Now, the problem that I often have, and I'm sure I'm not alone in this, is that the more junk food I eat, the more my body craves the junk food. I'd rather have a nutty buddy than a plate of vegetables after a while. When my body feels dehydrated, I'd rather drink the cheer wine than drink the water. I want the Pop-Tart for breakfast rather than the cereal that's a great source of, of vitamins and that, that my body needs. You know, we all hunger and thirst for something, something that's going to fill the void, something that's going to stop the craving, even if it's just for a little while. All right, so let's move from the physical to the spiritual here, Okay. What does Jesus say we should be hungering and thirsting for? Righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, Jesus doesn't tell these people to hunger and thirst for some kind of physical food to curb the longing in their souls, okay? He tells them to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, as Jesus is preaching this sermon, in just a few moments from, from when he says this, okay, about blessed are, those who, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, in just a few moments, He's going to start talking about those earthly needs. In fact, take your Bibles real quick. Go to Matthew chapter 6. It's just one page over. All right? We're going to read, um, starting at verse 25. Here's what Jesus says. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which one of you being anxious by being anxious can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But get this, get this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What Jesus is saying there is what's vastly more important than worrying about the needs that our physical body has is the needs that our spiritual body has. Seek first his kingdom 
and his righteousness. And all these other things are going to be taken care of. That's in essence the same thing that Jesus says right here in this beatitude. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now we can search for fulfillment in the things of this world, okay? The junk food, the junk food. Think about it that way. Or we can find fulfillment in righteousness, the good food. The junk food is anything besides the righteousness of Jesus that we turn to trying to find some kind of satisfaction. They're not always bad things. Sometimes they are bad things, but they're not always bad things, but they sure aren't the best things. Um, a couple of years ago, I had, um, I had some meetings uh, somewhere, and, and I had to leave really early in the morning and fly to this place, and uh, then I flew back the next morning. But I left home early, and I was really tired, and so I stopped and got a cup of coffee, okay? Drank that cup of coffee uh, on the way to the airport, um, even as I was going through TSA and all of that. I got on the plane. I drank more coffee because, you know, they give you free coffee there. Actually, I, I seriously doubt it's free. They probably do like a $25 charge inside your ticket for that free coffee. But anyway, moving on. I drank that coffee then. I had some meetings that morning. Lunchtime, I was feeling kind of groggy, so I drank some Pepsi for lunch. Then I went through the afternoon, had supper, and I drank a good old sweet tea for supper. And then that night, I get ready to go to bed, and I'm feeling horrible. I mean, I'm just feeling horrible. Can't figure out why. I must have caught a bug or something. The next morning, I get up early, and I'm on my way, to, on my way home, and I drink more coffee because that's just what you do when you're tired. You do it in the morning. You drink more coffee. I'm sitting on the plane, and, y'all, I'm feeling bad. And I start thinking, wait a minute. I hadn't had any water whatsoever since the night before I left home. That's why I'm feeling bad. So I start sucking down water. And over time, it didn't take too long, I started feeling better and better and better as I drank more water and, and got some more rest. Listen, righteousness can be thought of like that water. We can try to be satisfied with all kinds of things, but only righteousness is going to truly satisfy us and give us what we need. Righteousness is that key ingredient to a satisfied life. Let me say that again. Righteousness is that key ingredient to a satisfied life. The problem is that we'd oftentimes rather fill ourselves up with, with new toys, with, with sex, with work, with food, with, with things in general that are not necessarily bad by themselves. But when we use those things to satisfy our souls, they fall short. They just don't add up. They don't make it. They can't do it. Only Jesus and his righteousness can do that. In the Bible, you've got three different types of righteousness. Okay? You have legal righteousness, you have social righteousness, and you have moral righteousness. And I'm going to talk about each one of these briefly, okay? First of all, legal righteousness is a right relationship with God. It's a right relationship with God. It's, it's justification. It's being declared righteous by God. I included on the screen there for you Romans chapter 9, verses 30 through chapter 10, verse 4. And I want to encourage you to go back later and, and read that passage, study it for yourself, but in essence, what Paul's talking about there is that he's, he outlines how the Jews in the Old Testament looked for righteousness from God, but they looked in all the wrong places. They thought that they could achieve righteousness with God by being good people who do good things. But Paul says they missed the mark. They didn't understand that you cannot receive or you cannot achieve righteousness on your own. It only comes from God. They were highly religious, but they didn't have a relationship. True legal righteousness only comes from God. It can't be worked for. It can't be earned. It has to be a free gift. The good news is that through Jesus, the gift, the free gift of legal righteousness is freely available. 
God's righteousness is Jesus himself. So when a person repents of their sin and they declare that Jesus is Lord of their lives, they find salvation through Jesus. So now when God looks at that person, he doesn't look at them and see the sin that they commit or the sinner that they are. He sees Jesus' righteousness added to their account, and he sees them as perfect and his child in his eyes. That's legal righteousness. It's a right standing with God. The Christian now that they are God's child has rights as heirs of the Most High God because of this legal righteousness. They're his children. There's also social righteousness. Remember, legal righteousness is that right standing with God. Social righteousness is the right standing with other people. Okay? Um, John Stott, who's an incredible pastor and author, theologian, in his book on, on the Sermon on the Mount, as he's writing about this, he has this to say about social righteousness. He says, social righteousness, as we learn from the law and the prophets, is concerned with seeking humanity's liberation from oppression, together with the promotion of civil rights, responsible care for the planet, justice in the law courts, integrity in business dealings, and honor in home and family affairs. Christians are committed to hunger for righteousness in the whole human community as something pleasing to a righteous God. You know, if we're honest, we, we would say that um, we don't really talk about social righteousness all that much, and maybe we're afraid that we're going to be considered a, a social justice warrior or something like that, but God has a whole lot to say about social righteousness. Psalm 89, verse 14, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. This is a psalmist speaking to God. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. Isaiah 1, 17, this is God speaking. He says, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Micah 6, 8, he has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Luke chapter 11, verse 42. Now, this is Jesus. This is the New Testament, okay? This is Jesus teaching, and he says, woe to you, Pharisees. For you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, Pharisees, you keep the law all the way down to the, to the T, okay? You, you do everything that you're supposed to do. You even take the, the herbs that you get for cooking and you separate it and say, this 10% goes to God. Great job. Good job. But you've missed out on one of the most important things seeking justice and seeking what God has to say, the love of God. You neglect these things. He says, these you ought to have done without neglecting the others. So yeah, still do the other things, but man, you should have done this. A right legal standing with God should translate into a right social standing with other people. When that relationship with God is where it ought to be, Christian, listen, our standing with other people should be where it's supposed to be. That means that we seek out those who are ostracized by the world. We care for the widows and the orphans. We seek righteousness and justice for everyone. Why? Because of the righteousness that God has shown us and given to us. Not so we can earn his favor, but because we already have his favor. That's why we do it. So there's legal, social righteousness. There's also moral righteousness. 
There's moral righteousness. Moral righteousness has to do with the heart of a person. It's who they are. And who they are then translates into what they do. Moral Christian righteousness is a genuine heart that seeks to do what is right. The correct action comes from the correct heart. A Christian is being actively transformed into the image of Jesus. We seek to do what is right as Jesus did what is right. He's our example. He's the one we look to as a human um, role model. But there's a difference between the person who is genuinely seeking to do what is right out of a heart that is sold out to Jesus and a person who is just putting on as if they're a moral person, but they're really not. You know, you can go to church your entire life and seem to be a generally moral person, and yet Jesus can't stand you because you're nothing but a fake. Revelation chapter 3, you can read along as we, as it's up on the screen. Jesus is speaking. He's writing these letters to these churches, and he says, To the angel of the church at Laodicea, write, The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. He says, I know your works. You're neither hot nor cold. Would that you were either hot or cold. So because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say... I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you, here's what you need to do, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, be legit, be the real thing, so that you may be rich, and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. To those to whom I love, excuse me, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. Listen, church, you can fool a lot of people, but you cannot fool Jesus. If your righteousness is just a mask that you put on to cover up the nastiness of your heart, Jesus knows, and he's the only one who matters. Who cares if other people know who you really are? If Jesus knows, that's all that matters. The cold person, as we're talking about here, is the one who cares nothing for Jesus' righteousness, okay? They don't care about spiritual things at all. The hot person is the one who's on fire for Jesus. They are burning with passion for Jesus. Okay, think about, the, think about the men on the road to Emmaus. This is after Jesus has died, and as far as they know, Jesus is still dead. Actually, Jesus has risen from the dead. And he shows up to them, and he walks with them from Jerusalem to Emmaus, and they just talk religious things. They talk about what just happened with Jesus' death. They don't know this is Jesus. After they get to where they're going, and they're staying for the night, and Jesus reveals himself to them, what happens? Jesus disappears. But then they said, did not our hearts burn within us when we were talking with him? They knew that they had been with Jesus. Something was different about this man, and it set them on fire. What they do? They go all the way back to Jerusalem to tell people, Jesus is alive. The hot person is the one who's on fire for the Lord. They long to hear from him. They long to be a part of what he's doing. 
They want nothing more than to live a righteous life. They hunger, they thirst for righteousness. The lukewarm person is the one who has a form of godliness, but they don't actually have the real thing. Many of them come to church. They sing the songs. Sometimes they even leave feeling refreshed. Oh, that was nice. They haven't truly hungered and thirsted after God and his righteousness. A lot of times they're the ones who complain because they're not feeling fed enough by the church. They claim to be mature Christians, yet they take no action to spiritually feed themselves. Church is more a socially encouraged gathering of like-minded people than a chance to experience the powerfully manifest presence of God. For so many so-called Christians, there's no longing, there's no hungering, there's no thirsting, there's no craving for righteousness. Many people make a profession of faith at some point in their lives, but then it's been years since they long to experience God to live in the center of his righteousness, to know him in a real way. If that's you today, and and maybe you are that lukewarm Christian, or maybe you're just cold as you can be and you've wanted nothing to do with with God, but maybe the Holy Spirit's tugging on your heart, then what do you do? Well, the first step to to getting help for a problem is admitting you have a problem, right? So tell God. He already knows. He knows exactly where you're at. He knows exactly the state of your heart. He knows your actions. He knows everything there is to know about you. He already knows. So just tell him, just, God, this is who I am. But then after you tell him, ask him to change your heart. And then jump into his word and surround yourself with other Christians who who can encourage you. Listen, you're always, always either moving toward God or you're moving away from God. You are never staying the same. It's always one or the other. You're moving towards God or you're, run, or, you're turning, or you're moving away from God. And listen, you don't always have to be sprinting towards God. Sometimes the greatest moments of, of fulfillment in my life is when I'm taking those baby steps towards God. God, I don't have all the answers. I don't know what I'm doing. God, I need help. But man, those baby steps are awesome. If that's you today, then I would encourage you to Go towards him. And here's the promise that he gives. Back to Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Here's the promise. For they shall be satisfied. They shall be satisfied. When you seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you will be satisfied. That's what we really want, isn't it? At the end of the day, that's really what we want. We want to be satisfied. And Jesus is the only one who can do that. But we won't be satisfied through Jesus until we pursue righteousness. Because where there is sin, God is not allowed. That's us saying, God, you're not allowed here in this place. Right legal standing with God. Right social standing with other people. And right moral standing with in our lives. If you don't remember anything else today, I hope you remember that. Righteousness is right legal standing with God, right social standing with other people, and right moral standing in the way that we live our lives. And Jesus promises that when we pursue righteousness, we will be satisfied. Much of what Jesus has to say in, um, in the Sermon on the Mount has very clear ties to the book of Revelation. As we go through this, we're going to see that more and more as we go. 
Because in Revelation, we see kind of the culmination of God's plan. It all comes together. While Christians are on this earth, we are going to hunger and thirst for physical food. We're going to hunger and thirst for righteousness, so spiritual food. Did you know, though, that there's coming a day in which we won't have to hunger and thirst anymore? Revelation chapter 7, verses 16 and 17 says this. And talking about eternity future for Christians, it says, They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Remember that hope we talked about earlier? That's something to hold on to. That's something to hold on to. If you're here today and there's never been a time in your life in which you accepted Jesus as your Savior, where you realized that you were a sinner and gave your life to him, then today can be that day. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And you can have that everlasting life today. If you've never stepped into a relationship with him, come talk to me after the service and I'll be happy to sit down with God's word and show you what it looks like. Or see another Christian that maybe brought you here to this morning or, or maybe who pointed out our live stream or video online so that you could see. But may today be the day that you accept Jesus as your savior. And Christian, listen, let's pursue, let's hunger, let's thirst for righteousness and let's find satisfaction. Father, thank you for this picture that Jesus left for us. This very clear promise. Blessed are those who hunger and and thirst for righteousness. And in the middle of this very difficult world that we live in, oh, we can be satisfied. Father, may we find our satisfaction in you because you're the only one who will ultimately fulfill. Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.